We're going to start our new five-week sermon series today called Devoted to Jesus. So if you uh, picked up an outline on your way in, it's inside your, your bulletin there. And of course, you can scan the QR code and follow along with me digitally. If you have your Bible, open up to the book of Matthew chapter 16, and then we're going to be going to the book of Acts right after that. You're going to want to follow along with me in your Bible today. Because I've got some verses that are not in your outline, but they will be up on the screens behind me. All right, so we're, today we're going to look at the backstory of the New Testament church because this month and all through the month of missions, we're going to be looking at this idea about being devoted to Jesus. Now, today we're talking about specifically how the mission is the movement. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's look in this. All right, in your outline, you see this, that the book of Acts tells us the story of the first century church. Now, I don't know what you think about when you hear the word church, but there are so many people who think that church is a place that you attend on a Sunday. Other people think that church is a denomination or some sort of organization, like you might have heard somebody say, oh, I was raised in the Catholic church. Other people may simply say, the church is just the body of Christ. And all of that is fine, okay. But in the earliest days of the church, it was different. There was no church location. There was no leaders. There was no Bible. There was no pastors. There was no band, okay. And God forbid, there was no HVAC, okay. There was no coffee. I was expecting more groans after that one. All right, some of y'all have drink way too much coffee. There was no coffee and there was no bagels or donuts, all right? They had none of that. And what you can see in your outline here is it began not as an institution but as a movement, okay? The mission is the movement. The mission is the church. That's the mission. And our mission is to move the church forward. This is a primary concern to the Lord Jesus. Now, what do I mean by that? Our mission is to bring them in, build them up, send them out. We'll develop that as we go today. We are to share Christ and facilitate the saving work of God with those who are far from him. We are to teach those who get saved and who have bowed their knee to Christ to obey what he has taught. We're to equip these believers and send them back out into the unbelieving world, and that's you, congregation, to make every effort possible to reach more people who are unsaved and far from God. That is our mission, building God's family. It's always been about this. It's never been about anything other than this, and it will always be this as we move into the future. So let me just remind everybody, this is what we are about here at First Baptist Church of Fair Oaks. Now, whenever you come across the word church, when you see it in the New Testament, the Greek word here, and you see it in your outline, is ekklesia. And it means an assembly or a gathering. So it's not a building, it's not a denomination, it's not a church hierarchy, it's a gathering of people. And the New Testament church in Bible days was so much more simple than our church structure today. They were so devoted to Jesus. So we have a lot of scripture today. Are you all ready? 
Here we go. Number one in your outline. The early church had a very simple message. So let's go back to the very, very, very beginning of it all. As the disciples were gathered with Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked them a question. In verse 13, you see what it says. He said, when they came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Verse 14, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Verse 15, but what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Now here's the simple message, verse 16. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my, what? Church. Not a building, not a denomination, but my ecclesia. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. In other words, some person back east who's putting a survey together and is going to write an article in some magazine that you're going to read is going to say, people are leaving the church, panic. And Jesus is simply saying to that, no, no, no. This isn't an institution. This is my movement. And my ecclesia will be here until I return for her, my bride. Yes, there may be ebbs, there may be flows, there may be attendance ups and attendance downs. Leaders are going to come, leaders are going to go, but the reality is, congregation, the church of Jesus will continue. Okay, Jesus dies on the cross. Three days later, he rises from the grave. Then he spends about 40 days with his disciples, and before he leaves, he gives them some final instructions. Now, He's going to give them the great commission that we see in Matthew 28. And then he's going to give them some final instructions. So in your Bibles, now turn over to Acts chapter 1. And here is where we're going to find the very last things that Jesus says before he leaves. Look with me. You can follow along in your outline. Verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. Here's what he says. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Okay, now pause. You got to understand that since the resurrection of Christ, people have been trying to predict the Lord's return. Every time Israel gets into some sort of conflict with a neighboring country, I hear people start talking, oh, this must be it. Just like this last couple of weeks. But folks, here's what Jesus said, verse 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates. So anytime you hear of an author or a pastor or a theologian out there, all right, who thinks they're smarter than you know what, all right, and when they start saying they've got it all figured out and they want you to spend $19.99 on their book, hear me, save your money. Jesus said it's not for any of us to know the time or the date. And I promise you, Pastor Billy Bob does not know when Christ is coming back. So save your money, okay? Jesus goes on to say right here, the Father alone has set 
by his own authority. Verse 8. But you will receive power. Now let's stop again real quick. Here's something else you need to be aware of in this time. Their whole mindset was a political and religious movement. The Jews wanted to restore Jerusalem and Israel. That means we have to run out the Romans. And anytime you want to overthrow the Roman government, power is a good thing. But that's not the power that Jesus was talking about here. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. So at this point right here, they were called to share their testimony of what Jesus had done in their own lives. Same is true with us. We are called to do that. We're called to go into all the world and we're to say, I once was, then I came to know Jesus. Now I'm not perfect, I'm on a journey, I make mistakes, I've got a long way to go, but my life has changed in this way. All because of this guy, Jesus. It's really as simple as that. A very simple message and we are to be his witnesses. Now I want you to remember something, congregation. That they will receive this power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Okay? And now we move into number two in your outline. Jesus is going to give them an expanding mission. Verse 8 goes on to say, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now remember, their perspective is this, that the known Greco-Roman world is really as far as you can go on a donkey or a camel or a horse. That, that's as far. They didn't have this worldwide knowledge of the globe that you and I have. And so they're still thinking that this is a political and religious movement and that, that, that this ecclesia is going to be the people who do this. It's going to be people just like them. The Gentiles were nowhere on the radar screen at this point. Now verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. And a cloud hid him from their sight. Now we fast forward in real time in those days, about two weeks goes by. And then they have what's called the Festival of Weeks or, or the Festival of Pentecost. And this is a celebration that the Jews did about 50 days after Passover had completed. And so people would come to Jerusalem from all over the region to have one big party. And at this time, God makes a divine decision to have opening ceremonies on the early church. It's when God kicks off the church that Jesus told Peter about in Matthew 16. So it's not in your outline, but if you would look in your Bible at Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 14, we'll put this, the verses up on the screen to follow along. Peter's going to address everybody about what the Holy Spirit does at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And then how people were filled with the Holy Spirit. They started speaking in other languages. And then we get to verse 14. Here's what he does. Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. As you suppose. Apparently they had a drinking problem in the morning there. Okay. But it's only nine in the morning. No. This is 
what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, in other words, hey, you guys are all Jews. You should know what the Old Testament says. You shouldn't be shocked by any of this. Now look at verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. We just did a whole sermon series on the miracles. Verse 23. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. Now remember, it's only been two months that has gone by since the crucifixion at this point. It's not like it had been a real long time. Verse 24. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible, impossible congregation, it was impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus. Now skip down to verse 32. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Now, not the story, but what? The fact. Verse 33. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured it out on what you now see and hear. Now, I want you to drop down to verse 36. This is in your outline. Therefore... Peter says, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And here's the call to action, verse 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a simple message, congregation. He's Jesus, the Son of the living God. He died on the cross and rose again. You need to repent of your sin, invite Jesus to be the Lord of your life, and get baptized just like we saw those earlier today. Verse 39, and this is the cool part for us. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. All of a sudden, they're starting to put it together. They're beginning to recognize that this thing is about more than just those who come from Jewish roots. It's for Gentiles too. It's for people who are far off geographically and, for us, chronologically. That means you. That means me. All of us here in 2023 are a part of this declaration. Folks, this is great news. And scripture says, for all whom the Lord our God will call. This promise is for every person on earth for all time, moving forward from this date. Anyone who will respond in faith to the call of God on their lives. Because salvation belongs to the Lord. It is a work of Jesus. There is nothing that we do in it. And scripture says the gates of Hades will not prevail against this movement of Christ. 
Now verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Boy, I would love 3,000 to come to Christ right now. That'd be super awesome. But at this moment in history, this was the kickoff to the New Testament church. And I promise you that's a better kickoff than the NFL games that are playing right now. So let's think about this here. What would it be like if you and me would have been there at that moment? To be one of the 3,000 that said, I believe on that day. Let's take a look at that. Number three in your outline. This is the part we're going to unpack over all of November now. Is that they had a serious devotion. In Acts chapter 2 verse 42 it says that they devoted themselves. Now let's just pause right there for a second. This word devoted, it means to, to be earnest towards, to, to persevere or to attend tirelessly to all the exercises. Now what that means is that people in the early church, they were all in. All in to what? Letter A in your outline. They were devoted to grow spiritually. They were all in to growing spiritually. And we're going to be hearing words over the next several months and years about this idea of seeking God. That, that's a vision term I want you guys to get. This, this is God's vision for our church, that we would seek him. You see it all throughout the New Testament. You see it here in the early church. It's part of our vision for God's church too. It includes worshiping the Lord uh, here in the worship service each week, but it also encompasses this wholeness of growing in faith to be like the Lord Jesus. It's the whole making disciples thing that you read about in Matthew 28. This is what we're about, and, and we will develop this idea more next week. But the text says here in Acts 42, or 242, that they were devoted to what? To the apostles' teaching. So again, we're going to unpack this more next week, so make sure you come back next week, and while you're at it, bring a friend to church with you, all right? Letter B, they were dev devoted to the teaching and also to connect with each other. Some more visionary words that we're going to be hearing a lot more in the future is this idea of building community. This has to do with the life-on-life -life aspect of relational church ministry. In fact, it's the reason most of you came to this property today. You came to connect in meaningful ways with other believers and to be encouraged in your faith. You came to fellowship. Nothing wrong with that. It's biblical. I approve. So does God. But verse 42 goes on to say that they were devoted to fellowship. And that word fellowship in the Greek is the word koinonia. You probably heard that word before. Koinonia means partnership and to share. So remember, the church is the ecclesia, the gathering. And in the midst of this gathering, there is to be koinonia that takes place. This partnership, this sharing. So in our koinonia that takes place, there should be spiritual encouragement and the learning of God's word. But there should also be accountability. We don't like that one very much. Because we don't like other people calling us on the carpet for the things that we do wrong. 
We go right to a place of calling people judgmental. But in the faith community, biblically, we should welcome the idea of accountability. And there should also be lifting up and caring and loving of people. We do this by listening to one another's concerns, for praying for each other, helping each other out in times of need. Because when there is love, the aspects of biblical koinonia flow like a rushing river. It's good stuff. And this koinonia is what our Sunday morning 915 ministry, our groups, it's what it's all about. It's not just about Bible study. In fact, if your Bible study that you have on Sunday morning 915, if it's just about Bible study, you probably should tell your leader to come back and listen to today's message and to read Acts chapter two. It's about more than just Bible study, okay? And on the day of Pentecost, on that day, everyone who received Jesus Christ as Lord became partners with him and also with other believers. That is still true today. So what that means, church, is if you are a believer in Christ, you must have, must have fellowship. You must have koinonia, connection with other believers. Otherwise, hear me, you are being disobedient to Jesus. It's that simple. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard that before, but that is biblically true. The church is where we are supposed to experience relationships the way that God intended them to be. Healthy, godly, accountable relationships where there is both grace and truth. Grace says, I totally get it. I've been there. I understand. I've messed up too. Truth says, but my friend, you can't keep doing that anymore. This is the kind of accountability that is exactly what is supposed to happen within group life in a local church. So it's not just about Bible study. Jesus expects us to be obedient and create environments to foster healthy relationships. Church, you with me this morning? Okay, now, chapter 2 goes on to say in verse 42 that they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Meaning they practiced the Lord's Supper, just like we just did a few minutes ago. Because it was a reminder to them about what Jesus had done for them on the cross. It was a reminder as well that at the foot of the cross, the ground is even for all people. Rich, poor, educated or not, Jew, Gentile, every person, hear me, Every person is an equal sinner at the foot of Jesus. There is unity there, and it includes you and me. And they practice prayer. And in Koinonia, we pray for the people who are needing things. We pray for the people who are hurting. We pray for the people who are sharing life with us. Verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And as we learned in the last sermon series, the miracles and the wonders and all the stuff that happened, it was never about the person who was healed. It was always about the power of Jesus working in the life of the broken person. 
And so much to the point that God is alive and he is worthy of our worship. It was always about God. The early church was devoted to Jesus. They were devoted to growing spiritually, connection with others. And letter C in your outline is they were devoted to serve each other. And this is also, here's another word about building community, right? But uh, this, this word I want to put out to you is also unleashing compassion. This is another visionary word we're going to be hearing a lot of. And unleashing compassion is, is this idea of serving people who have a need. So I want you to look at verse 44 with me. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say that Jesus was a communist. And that somehow this verse teaches us that the early church was too. Not to mention, there are Christian authors out there that promote this view. So let me just end this and save you some more money on not buying those books as well. Okay, listen, my friends, the church was not a commune. Okay, the church was, is, and always will be a family, a flock, a fellowship, an ecclesia, a gathering. And according to Acts chapter 2, what happened is that a bunch of people got saved on the day of Pentecost. They decided to follow Jesus, and for some, they decided to leave their businesses and their homes. Some were kicked out of their homes because of their choice to follow Christ. Some were fired from their jobs for their choice to follow Christ. And so the people within the ecclesia, they they were meeting together, and they were having the Lord's Supper, and they were praying, and they were worshiping. And when they found out that Bobby and Johnny didn't have a place to live, Roger would open up his house and let those guys crash on his floor until they could get on their feet and get going again. Church, it wasn't communism. They sold everything and shared, but they didn't like sell everything and put it in the middle for somehow it to be divvied out. That's not how it happened. It was a family. It was a family. It was a family. Now, folks, I can become kind of passionate about this, as you probably can tell, but remember, Jesus said this. My kingdom is not of this world. Translation, his kingdom is not a political or economic system that any human can think of. No, think about that for a minute. The early church was devoted to growing spiritually, for connection with others, to serving people in need, and letter D, they were devoted to give generously. This is also part of unleashing compassion, and this is my point on the commune idea here. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. The early church didn't own anything. They didn't have a building like like we do, okay? They didn't have anything. They didn't administrate a benevolence program. The people simply gave of their own possessions and goods as God laid it on their heart to give to somebody who had a need. This is exactly what God does today. And I see this all the time with you, First Baptist Church of Fair Oaks. You guys are wonderful at this. The early church understood what stewardship was. They understood that everything that they had belonged to God. Now this may be new to some of you, but listen to me. 
you own nothing. Nothing. Everything that you have belongs to God. Everything. Okay? He just allows you to manage the resources that you have. And I say this all the time. Psalm 50, verse 10. The Lord owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Everything belongs to God, church. Let's let's just make sure we all understand that. We're all on the same page. So the question for you today as an individual is, are you going to be obedient to God in how you manage the resources that he's given you to manage? You own nothing. Are you going to do things God's way? So this movement, this ecclesia, this family of faith that they were a part of is so much more sometimes than we can fathom or we sometimes see. And some people will say that they would love to be more generous and give financially to God's work, but their finances are so messed up because of choices that they've made in their past. And lovingly, I say to you, if that's you today, we can help you. Oh, here's what we want. You fill out a connection card today, and on the back side in the comments section, just say financial counseling. We'll connect you with somebody who is really good at helping people get out of the mess that they're in. Don't let your financial choices of your past keep you from progressing forward in the right direction with God. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of, and this is the interesting part. What does it say? All the people. So not just the believers, but people who were outside their faith too. This is the same people that said, you know that Jesus part? Yeah, I don't get it. That whole resurrection thing, I'm not really sure of that. But one thing I do see is that you guys sure love each other. Boy, you guys are really good, and I kind of dig that. It's pretty awesome. It's very different from what I'm used to. Now, what if the ecclesia of today actually lived this out? What if, what if the testimony that we had as believers would be the same of that to the unbelieving world that we live in? How would the unbelieving world perceive not only the Christian church, but First Baptist Church of Fair Oaks? So again, the question for us here today is, what kind of testimony do we want to have moving forward into the future? Now, I already know the answer to that, church. You want to have a great testimony. I know that. So that that means we must prioritize our devotion to Jesus. You with me? Okay. Jesus said, they, the outside world, will know that you are his By what? By your love. Okay? So the verse goes on to say, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What made the early church so attractive to the unbelieving world? It was their devotion to Jesus. Their mission was to make Jesus famous. By how? By the way that they lived their lives and by their testimony. It was authentic They sought God first. They built community with each other and they served people who had a need and they unleashed compassion to them as well. And see, by doing that, the people who are far from God, they now wanted to be part of the ecclesia. And that's why the scriptures 
said that the Lord added to their numbers. Church, Jesus is attractive. He's beautiful. He's so attractive that we don't even realize how attractive he is. And he's attractive to unbelievers who are looking for a hope in this world. That's why how we actually live in our day-to-day life actually matters. Our individual testimonies matter. The things we say, the things we do. In your outline, it says, when we seek God, when we build community, and when we unleash compassion, that is when we are on mission with Jesus. Church, this is my prayer for us as we move into our month of missions this this next month and we move forward into 2024 that we recognize that God's vision for our church is to seek him to build community and to unleash compassion. This is how we partner with Christ. His mission is this movement, the ecclesia. His mission is the church to bring them in, to build them up and send them out. And when we gather together, our prayer is that we will have this awesome koinonia Absolutely. But we want it to be without things that are like about our own personal preferences. It's about one thing and one thing only, the person of Jesus Christ. He, as the Bible says, he is the desire of our hearts. He alone is the one that we worship. So our prayer, thank you. Our prayer is that everyone who comes in contact with the people of First Baptist Church of Fair Oaks will sense the love and the light of Jesus Christ in each one of your lives. That's our prayer, everybody. So congregation, as we go into the month of missions and we move into 2024, let's be devoted to Jesus. Let's be devoted to Jesus just like the early church was. Amen? Would you stand and pray with me this morning? Father, we come before you with open hands and open hearts, God, just to say thank you so much for your grace and your love, the blessings that you've given to us, God. We are not worthy of them, but you've given given them to us anyway. Lord, there's a lot of of substance in this message that you've given us today, God. So I just pray for all of us in here today that we would think about the parts that you are revealing to us right now, the areas that we need to to sharpen our pencil on, the areas that we need to confess that we've not been obedient at. And so, God, I just pray right now for my brothers and my sisters here, for those watching us online today, God, that you will work in their lives. God, draw us to your spirit. Help us to be obedient to you. Lord, you have a heartbeat for the church. It's what you died for. And God, we want to be honoring to you. So Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you will draw us into your presence, fill our lives with your spirit. God, help us to be bold as we share the love of Christ with everybody that we come in contact with. And as we're praying this morning, congregation, as as you sit here today, You're thinking about Jesus. Some of you in here, you've never given your life to Christ. You've witnessed three proclaim their faith by baptism today. You've thought about the sin in your life and you're deciding whether or not if you're gonna repent and follow Jesus. I just wanna encourage you, if the Lord is tugging on your heart today 
If he's speaking to you and you know what you need to do, let today be the day that you trust Jesus and you repent of your sin and follow him. The Bible says that Jesus alone is God. There is no other God. There's just him. And so today's the day that he's speaking to you. And the Bible says that if you confess with your sin and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. So let today be that day. Just say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I confess you as Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I want to follow you. And so if that's your prayer today, I pray that you step out in faith and trust him today. God, we love you. We thank you. Thanks for the opportunity we have to worship you today. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said,